right friends family and friends who have become family you know the drill you know the routine here we are another episode of the reformed hooligans podcast presented to you by ssa in conjunction with craft factory and i am your host osahan here with the usual hooligans suspects whatever you want to call them brian and felipe gentlemen how are you doing on this fine fine day i'm doing good how about you guys uh fantastic day fantastic day today has been i think an enjoyable day one thing i am enjoying i must say guys about this restart in european football is the fact that i feel like any day any given day there is a match going on today we had a couple matches in in syria we had a couple matches in uh, the premier league there are matches to watch entertainment to be had such as with today if you're a fan of the premier league i must say arsenal defeats liverpool 2-1 now i think as a as an aside it's it's not that surprising of a result i think if this was three or four months ago we'd have case to uh let's say four or five months ago we would have case to be surprised shocked the world would be shocked but liverpool's already clinched the crown when you look at their schedule they have nothing really to to play for at this point outside of records so looking Mm. at this match 2-1 arsenal wins what impressed you more the fact that Arsenal won or the fashion with in which Liverpool lost? Arsenal got a nice one. I mean, but then again, they've showed before that they can get goals when they want to. I mean, it's almost like how United is, too. It's like they can get the goals when they need to. It's just the problem with Arsenal is, is that when they get counterattacked, they literally look like a bunch of ants in the middle of a fire. And that's literally been their entire anomaly all season. Today, they weren't put in a position to be because they kind of just... You know, I mean, Reese Nelson, I mean, the formation was set up for them to kind of be able to cover all the holes as well. So that kind of that kind of worked out for them the way they played today. And plus, Rob Holding and Kieran Tierney in the back. I mean, it's better than Kolasinic and David. I mean, David Luiz is still out there, but that's that's a whole different <laughs> horrible story. <laughs> well, how I see it is Arsenal won. Yes, they won. But they were the more the more desperate team. You get me? Um, Liverpool. Yeah, they're fighting to what to be the greatest EPL championship caliber team of all time but at the same time they're already champions so that hunger is not there a hundred percent no like I, I hear you no i hear you it's it's at this stage in the game it's different arsenal because of the how close it is from slots i think we talked about this last episode from places i want to say four through maybe seven in the premier league the point totals are close and Arsenal's in position to maybe they could jump into one of those uh, Europa League spots. Especially with Wolves having a habit for draws. Wolves is having a a penchant for draws and they're sliding. Now, fun fact about Arsenal, prior to today's game, they have dropped more points coming out of being in a winning position in a match. So they're up in, in, in a match. They've dropped more points from winning positions than any other team. The only team in the in the Premier League has dropped more points than them is West Ham. Uh, Arsenal's dropped 21 points. West Ham has dropped 24. So that is the potential for seven matches won that they could have had an additional 20. Uh, well, not yeah, seven matches. Let's just say that they could have won. So whether that's them ending up ending up in a draw or ending up taking an L. So. They could easily, by the end of this season, they got, what, three games left. They could slide from their current position in uh, in eighth. Yeah, eighth. They could slide. They're easily. ninth. They're ninth. They're ninth. I'm sorry. They could slide, easily could slide to 12th. Easily. Yeah. I mean, you look at Arsenal, they could be in, they could be tied with Man City, basically, if they didn't yep. drop all those points. So. Wow. From win, and that's the thing, from winning positions it's not that they were sitting there on a draw you easily could have won a side note about uh, arsenal as well news has come out it was day before this recording i saw some news that hector bellerin wants to get out and possibly don't blame him to germany Hmm. yeah i could see him in dortmund to be the hakimi replacement that's a brilliant idea yeah he wants out hector bellerin Oh, that frees up more. So Maitland-Niles, does he kind of slide into that right-back role generically for the for uh, Arsenal? 
I think for, for the Gunner thing he does. I don't think he's the fix though, as as, as we've discussed. Oh, that's right. Arsenal signed Cedric Suarez. Ah, okay. Oh, they're good. So yeah, they're good anyway. They got him from Southampton. That's right. Let so that's go. why Bellerin goes. Yeah, Cedric's probably a healthy Cedric's better than Bellerin right now. Let him go. <laughs> Other matches with with uh, implications that have happened this week in the EPL. Uh, we're looking at let's see, Chelsea beat Norwich one zero one nil, which Giroud's goal, right? Giroud's goal from Kristen Pulisic. Some footage came out actually of Giroud and Pulisic in the tunnel before the match. And it looked like they were discussing the play that ended up being the goal. Uh, hmm. You know, Pulisic, you know, chipping in a nice little cross into somewhere in the six and Giroud heading it in. And lo and behold, right before halftime, it happened. That match was crucial, folks, because let me get my Chelsea's in third. Chelsea's in third. Now going into Monday after Chelsea took a loss over the weekend. The chef to Sheffield and they got bludgeoned by Sheffield 3-0 Sheffield mm -hmm. uh, you know we were discussing the match as you in real time Sheffield ran a pretty much a 5-3-2 3-5-2 really those two wingers on the outside playing wide and doing damage and Chelsea ran inverted, a, yeah. yeah Chelsea ran a very narrow 4-3-3 so Sheffield was Winning the compact in the middle, but playing great out wide. And so they took Chelsea on down the middle and would put that ball out wide. And in terms of tactics, they outplayed Chelsea for sure down those wings. And Chelsea never, never made the adjustment. So they were down, was it 1-0 at halftime? No, sorry, 2-0 at halftime. And shout out to uh shout out to the striker for uh for Goldrick, right? Yeah. Yeah, scoring. And then McBurney had a nice one, too. Yeah, so McGoldrick scoring. I'm sorry, McGoldrick scoring a brace. One of the oldest players in EPL to score a brace ever. Uh, so they, they win 3-0. So I'm watching this match as a United fan, a Man U fan. And I'm thinking, listen, this is it. Like, we're Chelsea did what they needed to do and take this L. All we have to do is beat Southampton on Monday. And we are in third place in the league. And then, Monday, and, bam. <laughs> and then Monday happens. We, we go down 1-0. We come back, mm. tie it up. We go up 2-1. Now, one thing that I noticed in this match, it, it reminded me very much of the Aston Villa match last week. Aston Villa match, we started off very slow, uh, as Felipe was keen to point out to me as we were watching that match, that Aston Villa, quite frankly, outplayed United in the first half. United got away with, admittedly, uh, a terrible call that ended up turning into a penalty kick for Bruno Fernandez when it should have been a foul called on Bruno Fernandez. He scores. Mason Greenwood scores one at the uh, right before halftime. Paul Pogba. Yeah. Listen, shout out to Mason Greenwood. I know we, the hype is real. Okay. About the kid. What a brilliant goal. Mm -hmm. Paul Pogba scores his first goal of the season off of a great Bruno Fernandez assist from a corner kick. Man United was in cruise control the second half. They were in total control of the match the second half. But the Southampton match, they started it off the same way they started off against Aston Villa. Looked very sluggish, very slow, very lethargic. And then they just couldn't put their foot on Southampton's neck. So, a lot of people were asking, why would Ole sub out Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandez when he did, when you need to put the foot on the neck? And this is, this here brings us to a problem with the current and negative externality in regards to this restart. The fact that teams have to play two, three, four matches in a week if they have club comp uh, cup competitions coming up. So United has three matches this week. They have Southampton, they have Crystal Palace, which will be the day after this, after this recording, and they have an FA Cup semifinal against Chelsea. So you need to make sure your players have fresh legs to go. And so they sub out uh, Bruno, they sub out Paul. Um, they used up four out of their five substitutions. And what happens in the 80 in the 80th minute? Brandon Williams, who was subbed on, suffers a gruesome head injury, has a head collision, bleeding profusely. Match has to be stopped for a few minutes. He's taken off the pitch. United could not sub him out, though. A lot of people who are infuriated about that. But this, once again, to the rule book. This new uh, 
uh, five substitutions in a match, there's a, a, a clause to it, a, a kink to it. You have to make your five substitutions in three moves. So yeah, within three, within three substitutions. So you have to, you have to have them bunched up. United had already used their three moves when it came to substitutions and didn't have another one available. So they played the, the, the last 10 will turn out to be 15 minutes, including stoppage time with 10 men, Southampton ties up the match in the 96th minute. Obafemi. Obafemi bullied, bullies Victor Lindelof. And for those mm -hmm. who don't know, Victor Lindelof is not a natural center back. And in that moment, it showed. United ends up tying 2-2, still in fifth place. Oh, the horror. That was a horrible day for me as a United fan because earlier in the day, we might as well talk about this now, Man City's Champions League ban appeal was approved and so they will be playing in the champions league next year they will be be eligible to play in the champions league next year what were your guys's thoughts when you heard that decision horrible 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 it just it just sets a precedence that it doesn't matter if you span recklessly you get me You're, you'll get away with anything if you pay off the correct people that's how i see it but it's just fraud you get in my opinion it's fraud like you go from a two-year suspension with transfer bans and all this to nothing you get me well let me read pep Guardiola's statement uh we should be apologized to because if we did something wrong we will accept the deficient the decision from uefa because we did something wrong we don't expect liverpool tottenham arsenal chelsea or wolves to defend us but we have a right to defend ourselves when we believe what we have done is correct and three independent judges said so Today is a good day. Yesterday was a good day for football because we play the, by the same rules as everyone else does in Europe. If we have broken FFP, we would have been banned, but we have to defend ourselves because we were right. People said we were cheating and lying, and the presumption of innocence was just not there. When we were proved right, we were incredibly happy because we can defend what we have done to this on the pitch to this point. This club has tried for a, the whole history at Main Road, or without heroes like Colin Bell or Mike Summerby, the legends that we have had, and we have done our best to do on the pitch. I know that for elite clubs like Liverpool, United, and Arsenal, it's uncomfortable for us being there, but they have to understand that we deserve to be there with them, fighting for the achievements that they have achieved in the past. We deserve to be stronger year by year. There are incredible people in this organization working to make us better. We don't have to ask permission to be there. We just deserve to be there. When we lose, I will shake hands and congratulate them. But at all the time we have done, guys accept it. We want to be there and we tried. Sometimes we win, sometimes we don't. But they have to understand, don't whisper and go behind our backs. Do it on the pitch. Huh. And then he talked about his his character being defamed too, which, I, okay, I'm not pulling, I'm not even going to go there. That was nauseating to read. That was nauseating to listen to. Felipe, that's your favorite manager right there, bro. No, you know how I feel about that guy, bro. <laughs> he, he, so, so he didn't like Mourinho's criticism of him last week then. And, of course, Mourinho's press conference probably rubbed him the wrong way. Of course it did. And we thoroughly enjoy Mourinho doing what Mourinho does. Shout out to Uncle Jose. Here's the some of the uh, language that was used by the uh the cas which is the the appeals board based out of switzerland who made this decision the club financial control body had previously found that city committed serious breaches of ffp regulations uh, this is just context for why we why we are where we are today uh, which limit the net losses that clubs can accrue over a three-year period between 2012 and 2016 had failed to cooperate with the subsequent investigation. City took their case to the CAS on June 8th after the initial ban and fine were issued to them by the adjunctory chamber of the independent CFCB. Here is the, uh, in case you don't know, here's what the ban entailed. Ban entailed uh, two years uh, ban from the Champions League as well as a 30 million euro fine. So on Monday, the CAS's statement that they released was this. They said, uh, related to charges of concealment of equity funding, that Man City were clearly more significant violations than obstructing the CFCB's investigations. So it felt that it was not appropriate to impose a ban on participating in UEFA's club competitions. However, considering number one, the financial resources of Man City, and number two, the importance of the cooperation of clubs, 
in investigations conducted by the CFCB because of its limited investigative means. And three, Manchester City's disregard of such principle and its obstruction in the investigations. The CAS panel found that a significant fine should be imposed on Man City and considered it appropriate to reduce UEFA's initial fine by two thirds to the amount of 10 million euros. So not only is the appeal go through and Man City is not just just to break it down in layman's terms man city is not going to be banned they also their fine was reduced from 30 million euros to 10 million euros so instead of man city sitting in a position to where they could potentially lose out on 130 million plus euros they're now only losing out on 10 million that's a big difference that's a Huge. massive difference and on top of that now, instead of uh, never mind the money that they would have lost had they been banned, the money they would have lost, uh, yeah, and that that's where the hundred million euros comes in because uh, that's money potentially lost from endorsements and uh, and bonus revenue and revenue. Never mind any of the companies that only advertise in Champions League, so those European companies that they wouldn't be able to reach otherwise. All of that, all of that money. Then on top of that, not to mention because remember, as a stipulation of them being banned. Players who are on contract with Manchester City could walk away on a free while uh, City is banned. So those players, you don't lose out on those players because, God forbid, think about, for example, Kevin De Bruyne walking away on a free. Like, I mean, right. Man City or Laporte. Or Laporte. Man City would be in trouble easily for the next two to five, five. years. Easily. Five years. Easily. Yeah. Right. And then on top of that, the teams that, like we just mentioned, that are impacted, who had a shot at the Champions League potentially, Man United would have jumped into third place easily and maybe could have even, uh, I'm sorry, Man United gets into the Champions League. I think Sheffield would have had an outside shot at a Champions League berth. And imagine if Man U won the Europa League. So that means another team in England would have a shot at that point, right? Exactly. So all of those things are shifted because of this decision. And the other thing I can't help but think about, and Brian, you can, I know you'll co-sign on this as well, is you have teams now like Newcastle who are looking to get that good injection of that money from a Saudi, a Saudi buyout that is possibly coming we could very well see newcastle in a similar position within the next three to five years as well and now the precedent has been laid down that if you want to break the rules i mean look at red bull oh, i mean i'm a leipzig yeah. fan but look at red bull yeah i mean they don't spend money to that same total but they do spend money they do and yeah, so they do. a leipzig you have a uh the team in, in Austria, shout out to Jesse Marsh for winning the Austrian league with uh, Salzburg. With Salzburg yeah. And I think he should be the manager for the U.S. national team. That's a whole nother story. So RB, Red Bull, has uh, has laid a blueprint as well. I'm just, dis and this isn't in me talking as a Manchester United fan. As a fan of the game, I'm disappointed in this. And for all of the joking that's pointed at, at FIFA and the world of football for for corruption this just adds to that case because let's i mean we can suggest all we want and it's probably true there was some backdoor stuff going down boys and girls yeah i mean for sure i mean you look at jose Mourinho's statement by the way uh he goes consistency and remember he said this on sky sports when he worked for sky sports so this is very consistent um he goes i like the theory the concept i mean he liked the concept but the interpretation of it that's where it was gonna fail so he said FFP is dead. And then Pep got all and it was soapbox. Of course. Uh, Pep decided to be self-righteous and indignant. But we're not buying it, Pep. You can go somewhere with that. Um, so there's one Premier League topic I want to touch on. One of the mid-table teams. Uh, Burnley has had kind of an interesting little upswing. They're in the top 10. Uh, Sean Deitch uh, had a whole article written about him. Now, obviously, people consider him to be a very, like, you know, a boss. Like, he really is a boss, as a manager. Um, is there, there is being rumors that there are possible bigger clubs in Europe looking to bring him in. Hmm. So Burnley could be, Burnley Lee could lose their guy. What clubs do you think that is? Well, I mean, Sean Deitch, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting with Burnley because, you know, they're a top 10 team, sure, but they're not really like, like there's no real upside with them, really. Like kind of, they are what they are. Like they're kind of they're a team that's gonna scrap. They have 51 points. They're only two points back of Arsenal. 
which is kind of crazy when you think about it. And Sheffield is at 54 points. So they've pretty much caught up to where Sheffield got that hot start. So at this point, you know, if Burnley ends up deciding, well, we can't hold on to guys like Dwight McNeil or we can't hold on to Nick Pope or we can't hold on to whatever, then Sean Dyche can go, well, I've maxed out here. I'm done. Yeah. So. Hmm. Burnley, Burnley, Burnley. What was I going to say? And then um, a, uh, a Bundesliga uh, hit, actually. So Bundesliga season's been over for a while, but uh, RB Leipzig signed Monaco right back Benjamin Heinrichs, uh, who is German, actually. So he'll be going back to the to, to his homeland, if you will. And Leipzig finished third place after um, kind of having a little collapse of their own. So that'll be interesting uh, to see how they work, because obviously Upamakano and Werner are going to be probably on the way out. Never mind if anybody else gets poached, like a Sabitza as well. So that could hurt. Zach Steffen will be the number two for Manchester City. So that's a very um, interesting, that's a good move up for him. He had a tough season at Paderborn. They got relegated. They were in last place in, in uh, Germany. They were not, I mean, Dusseldorf, they were second to last place. Yeah. Uh, they got relegated. That's a great move for him as well, considering I, I don't think that move happens if Man City gets relegated. So now he's, I mean, not relegated, but banned, but now he's in a position to where he can get some some decent tick in some great cup competitions and tournaments. Yeah, I mean, he proved in the German Cup games that Pater, I mean, uh, Dusseldorf were able to go pretty far in the German Cup. I think they got to the quarterfinal. So they were able to get pretty far with him as the number one goalie. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with um, Osemenya over at Lille. Um, he's been linked to Napoli. Which is interesting because I heard someone in SSAW said he was a left wing, and I go, bro, he's a striker. <laughs> Who said that, though? Oh, Sammy. Sammy side. Good old Sammy, Sammy Sosa said it. Yeah. And he's not he's <laughs> not in the mold of, of strikers like we've discussed in this mod in this current era or iteration of the game where, you know, you can either play up top or you can play out wide. He's not in it's that. It's kind of more of a Tavez, actually. It's more speed and just I'm going to dribble by you, and that's yeah. kind of his game. Yeah, and I mean, it, it bodes well if you're a wing. Those qualities bode well, but I don't think he has the uh, – yeah, I just don't see him fitting in as a wing. He's, he's, he's the man up top. Yeah, and I mean, Mertens signs an extension. I mean, Mertens at this point of his career might be better off being used as more of a creator anyway, even though he's still scoring goals ridiculously. Mm -hmm. But it feels like he's being used as a creator for them, and that's being a part of their little, like, they're starting to score goals again. They're not really consistent, but they're starting to score goals again like right. they did before with Carlos. So, I mean, if Mertens ends up staying there, Milich, I mean, if Milich ends up getting an opportunity to go, which I don't know how that's going to happen because he was hurt the first half of the year. So, like, he didn't really have the year he was planning to have. Uh, Napoli's a whole different situation. Like, that's 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 a rough go for them, man. Yep. Because, obviously, Lozano Lozano's going to want to see his way out. Right. He should have never, never went to Napoli, though. There's a fair point to be made there. I I don't disagree. He should have stayed put. He should have stayed at PSV. Should have stayed. Should have stayed. And then also the possibility of uh, Koulibaly leaving as well. This. I mean, that front line the year before. So, wait, before Lozano went to Napoli. So, that front three was um, Malin on the right side. I forget who that striker is, but he's also the Dutch striker. We talked about him in the Dutch episode, one of the wonder kids they had. And then Lozano was on the left side. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, as I said, all and look at Bergvine. Actually, Bergvine, that's who it was. It is Bergvine, yeah. Bergvine was the number nine. So, like, Bergvine, it, it, that was a good combo. Look at the move Stevie got. Stevie got a great move Tots. to Tottenham. Where Jose is going to go, hey, Steve, hey, here's the ball. Go create for yourself. And, and Jose Mourinho even said at the first couple games, Bergvine got to Tottenham. He goes, this kid just, he battles. He's a little bulldozer. That's why he's built big, man. Oh, Jose Mourinho's like, well, if I can't have Triore, I'm gonna go get my own Triore. Yeah, my own version. And he he goes out there and he does it. He's he's a he's a bully, bro. He's a bully. He's fast. How did Jose work for Sky Sports for 11 months and not mention his name? And then that becomes the first signing he makes as a manager. Bold Jose. I Very think bold. Jose get got a little smart. He got a little smart in his time off. Good on you, Uncle yeah. Jose. Good on you. Um, but as we continue on. Uh, I know one thing we, we wanted to talk about coming into this episode was the trade. I'm not going to use that in the climate we're in. I'm not going to use that reference. Um, is the uh, the potential tears that can be shed 
coming into this offseason. Tears, you might ask why? Because of relegation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So looking at some... And tears are the results of those relegations. Yes. Side note, the MLS needs to have <laughs> some sort of relegation system. Anyhow, tears. You look at... Let's just let's let's take a league. So we'll look at the French league. The two teams that are being relegated in the French league. Of those teams, we, we, we got a Toulouse. At least, and I think Amiens too. Yeah, right? Amiens is the other one. So you look at those teams. Who from those teams should a mid a mid flight or top flight team poach to add to their lineup to take them to the next level? Well, one player that I've raved about. Um... In prior months, Tifo did a whole profile on him in the winter uh, for Arsenal, but it's Ibrahim Sangari, um, a deep line playmaker, midfielder from Cote d'Ivoire in West Africa. Cote d'Ivoire. And he's played in 48 matches um, the last two seasons. Actually, no, 58, 56 matches the last two seasons and played 20 in 2017 18. Mm -hmm. So obviously, he's been linked to Arsenal before. Um, he's linked to Arsenal again. Not a surprise there. Uh, probably the Guendouzi replacement once they move him. Gwendouzi's but he has played in 80s. He's played in 90% of Toulouse's games. He made 25 appearances this year. He had one assist, playing deep line uh, playmaker. Eight yellow cards, though. So that's a little concerning discipline there. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I mean, he came from Toulouse's. He came from Toulouse's B system. So Toulouse basically has a homegrown product here. So whatever money they get, you know, they're going to be able to get a deal. What what club should he go to? Should he stay in France or should he go? Well, if he goes to if he stays in France, I would love to see him go to Lyon. Mm, okay. I actually think a move to the Premier League would not be bad for him either. If Eduard stays at Celtic, I would probably go to Celtic if I were him. Okay. It seems like him and Eduard would be uh, that would be a good team for him to go to. I mean, he's twenty two. So I think uh, at this point, he's already playing in the international level for the under-23s mm -hmm. uh, for Ivory Coast. So, I mean, and he's already has three senior appearances anyway. So I think as long as he makes a step up in his career, obviously, you know, the data supports him. I think he was in the top, like, 10 percentile of, like, tackles per 90 for a midfielder. So he fits the description for teams that want to improve their defensive um, standing. I can see it. I can see him making the move. I can't if, if like you said with the Premier League, he could definitely make that move to a place like Arsenal. Um Guendouzi is out. He's gone. He's if you haven't heard the news, he he doesn't even practice with the first team anymore. He doesn't even train with the first team. Uh as a result of him choking. Choking, yes, folks, choking uh a player, I think it was a striker, not a striker, um, but a midfielder on uh, Brighton. On Brighton, yes, in the match that they had against Brighton. Uh, after that lack of discipline at the end of the match, even though he didn't get uh, removed from the match and didn't get a, a red card uh, in arrears because of it, Mikel Arteta wanted no no thing to do with that. And so Guendouzi is in exile right now. So he's on his way out. Well, Shaka was in exile too, and then he came back. He did, and he came back with a vengeance. So I, I yep. think I think with the youth movement that Arsenal's kind of moving to, they need a player like a Sangari. Plus, I mean, that kind of brings back the whole shades of like what Arteta wants, which is like the Vieira role, mm -hmm. right? We talk about it a lot in the recent episodes because France has gotten a lot of love in the recent episodes, but uh, legitimately Sangari's kind of that mold. Speaking of so, France, side note, a couple days ago was the two-year anniversary of France winning that world cup in 2018 so if you want to feel nostalgic go ahead um moving along though, long ago. <laughs> it felt like forever ago but yeah moving along though uh other leagues where relegation has already been confirmed bundesliga brian's favorite league we go to the bundesliga came that this year that's for sure yes but was what was it of the leagues that restarted the bundesliga was the first to finish so yes. relegation, looking at the, the teams that were relegated, who and who should be poached from those teams? I mean, Paderborn doesn't really have anybody that stands out, really. Dusseldorf, I mean, Stefan, Zach Stefan was somebody that was already with Man City. He was linked. Alfredo Morales played for Dusseldorf, the midfielder, not the not the striker, the goal, uh, the midfielder. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, neither team really had anybody. 
that was that's really like stands out. I mean, Verda Bremen, if they got relegated, I mean, Verda Bremen has a couple guys. I mean, let's start Max Agustin, Jonas Agustin, both of them will be gone. Um, Osako's not bad. David Sel- David Selke's not Josh Sargent, for example. Um, Pizarro just retired, obviously. Yeah. I mean, wh- wh- there's a couple other guys. Like, I, they, I'm just looking at the roster. Like, I mean, Felix Agu is a young player that already has been interested in other places. Pavlinka is a hell of a goalie. Obviously, he wouldn't be playing in Bundesliga too. So that there's a couple of options. Even though he had a rough season, there, oh yeah, Davy Klassen as well. Like, he wouldn't be playing in Bundesliga too. That's not happening. So that's just it's just crazy to me. But then you look at the season Union Berlin had. And they were able to finish an 11th. Kind of crazy. Kind of a crazy season. To say the least, 2020 in itself has just been wild. Because two of the three teams that got promoted in um, Bundesliga, Union Berlin and Köln. And keep in mind, Cologne, if they got relegated, Timo Horn was on the way out. Timo Horn's somebody that a team that needs a goalie desperately could have came in and grabbed. Right but keep in mind, Timo Horn and two of his brothers play on the team also John, uh, Giannis is on the senior team and then they have a younger brother on the junior team oh wow including um uh I forget who else and then they have Vincent Coziello mm-hmm. who has been linked to other teams before he's French but um he was linked to other teams in the past as well he was in Paris uh Paris Saint-Germain's uh, youth program at one point oh, as well wow. another one of those overwhelming uh you know massive amounts of youth products that they had right but he was hurt all of this year, so he didn't play. So that was a big reason Cologne got kind of lucky. Wow. If yeah. we go back a little bit to Dusseldorf, uh, yeah. a, good, a player that should be moved to a different team will be Keenan Karaman, uh, center forward. Played 44 of the, 44% of the minutes and had six goals and two assists. So And he's, only, and he's young. He's only 24. Yeah, but I mean, you look at that sometimes with those teams. Like, look at Alexander Mitrovic, for example. Like, he's kind of stuck at Fulham. I mean, if Fulham gets promoted again, he's in the Premier League, I get it. But, like, Mitrovic is basically stuck there. And that's the same thing. Fulham held on to him. They put a $35 million price tag. Nobody's going to pay $35 million for a guy playing in a second league in a country. So The audacity and the gall. And, and look at <laughs> I mean, it's Fulham, though. They paid quite a bit of money to bring him in, though. So I kind of don't blame them. That's true. They wanted to get some sort of ROI. And, and looking at just the difference between being a have and being a have not, Ritter Bremen missed relegation by one point. One point. Mm-hmm. One point. So easily, they easily could have been in fire sale mode, but they missed relegation by one point. Uh, moving leagues, though, to Felipe's favorite league, La Liga. We have the best league in the world. No, not the best league in the world. That's the EPL. There it is. With two matches to play. Two matches to play left in the league. It's looking like, for sure, we're probably going to have Leganes, Mallorca, and Espanol getting relegated. Well, Leganes and Mallorca, if they could win out and hope that Alaves somehow slips and falls, they could avoid relegation. Um, Leganes and Mallorca are tied in points in the 18th and 19th slot and, and separated by one goal on goal differential. So, looking at those three squads, who do we see that could be making moves with those three squads? Any of those three squads get relegated, or even an Alaves if they maybe get relegated. Mallorca. Well, his name is Kubo, but he's he was on a loan to Mallorca, but he's property of Real Madrid. Yep, and he's very, very, very good. Like I was, I, 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 I always keep an eye on on players that you know Madrid owns, basically. I don't want to say own. That sounds like, you know, but right. they have a contract with them. He's very good. And also the the young wonder kid they have, the little one, uh, the 15-year-old kid, Luca, Luca Romero. Romero. Luca there. Romero. Yeah. Luca Romero. Uh, Manchester, yeah. Manchester United wants him. Juve wants him. Barca wants him. Yeah. City wants him. So he's going to go somewhere. I'm sure he's 18. <laughs> no, he's 15, bro. <laughs> to that. I'm going to hold on to it. Yeah, I mean, another team, too. I mean, Espanol. Espanol's got a lot of guys. Like, they got some guys that maybe be able to, might be better going off elsewhere. I mean, they brought Raul de Tomas from Benfica. That didn't work out. Uh, they have Mark Roca, who's 23. I'm sure he'll be desirable somewhere else. They brought in Matias Vargas. They brought in Leandro Cabrera. They brought in Pedroza. They brought in Caleri. I mean, all the guys they brought in, they're going to be stuck with, essentially. Yep. I mean, they still have Sergey Darder. I don't know how much they're going to be able to get for him at this point. 
or uh, Wee Lu, the, the the Chinese player, is twenty eight. He had a rough season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oscar Melendo, he had. A, I mean, he's twenty two, but he's not going to want to stay on. He's not going to want to play in La Liga two, for example. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a couple of players they're gonna they're gonna probably lose. And keep in mind, Naldo, old man Naldo. Yep. You know, five years ago, Naldo was like Inter's center back. Now he's like scrapping. So scrapping just to make it, boy. Leganes doesn't really have that many good players, to be honest with you. I'm surprised. I'm looking at right now. Oh, yeah. Well, for, yeah. I mean, Fernando Pacheco. But like, what is the goalie market going to be? Plus, he's hurt right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, what's the what's the goalie market really going to be? Because if Onana doesn't leave Ajax, then that means there's no market. Oh, since since we're like in Liga right now, yeah. can I tell you something that I read on Twitter? So Chelsea has contacted Atletico Madrid for a purchase of Jano Black, and Simeone said, "Oh no, it's not happening." <laughs> Why the hell? Well, first of all, Simeone goes, "Well, I would do a swap, but your goalie's trash." So great garbo. I mean, I guarantee you, if it was like United, I think he would listen with De Gea. Oh yeah, yeah. right. I mean, I think with De Gea, he would listen. I would. Do but it. didn't didn't Chelsea pay big money for Kepa? They paid seventy four million, I think. It what, was like a record, a, for a record at the time for a keeper. Yeah, I think it was seventy four million in American money. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Chuckle away. Like that. that. Yeah. Hold on. I have the transfer market pulling up now. The deal was done for actually a fee $88 million in American dollars. I, I lied. I was off by $10 million. Dude. That's big time right there. Man. And his market value at the time from Bill Bow was $22.65 million. In fact, I think Bill Bow is literally still, I think their whole COVID relief fund literally is still from the Kepa signing. Kepa. Kepa. <laughs> Bill Bow. Shout out to Keppa. Damn. For funding for funding your COVID relief fund. That's crazy, man. I mean, think about this. Andre Onana and Jordan Pickford. I mean, look at Jordan Pickford's deal to Everton, for example, right? He was brought in for a, a, a literally half that. Almost a third of that. Come on, man. I'll even go a step further. Thomas Dracosha over at Lazio, right? Great. He had a hell of a season. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. He's a homegrown goalie from Lazio. They didn't pay a dime. No, that's how you get that's how you get trolled, my friend. Dude. <laughs> oh, Kepa. But no, I mean Jordan Pickford also had that hell of a season at Sunderland, though. He did too. When he, he Kepa didn't even have anything comparable to that. Pickford was the next big set eighty eight million. Wow, wow, wow. You imagine? I can't relate. Although I would like to have Dean Henderson back and I wouldn't mind selling De Gea at this point. Well, after that five year contract, that's not gonna happen. I know. Don't remind me. Uh, well, here's another thing. Even though Schalke not getting relegated, Schalke's in a lot of they're, um, they're about uh, Weston McKinney now. Yeah, according to Chris Williams over at Sky Sports, um, he's being linked to Liverpool, Wolves, Newcastle, and Everton. I think if I were Weston McKinney, I would not go to Newcastle based on everything that happened with DeAndre Yedlin. Oh, so yep. that's that's a whole different perspective especially if steve bruce is still going to be the manager yep. so with that being said i'm eliminating newcastle right off the bat but if for any reason roberto martinez gets hired weston kind of fits what he likes in the midfield i can i could see weston with like john joe shelby and Longstaff. that that would be interesting that could compete for a europa league spot if they can figure out how to get all those forwards to play well consistently at the same time actually score goal but the move that and i said this last week that he needs is everton Everton is the best move for him because I think him and Andre Gomes, Andre Gomes compliments him very well. I can see. Weston kind of likes to stay in the midfield. He'll get involved in the attack, but he likes to stay in the midfield. He'll do the dirty work. Andre likes to be more of a Mazella. He likes to get involved in the attack. Andre is also really nice with those crosses. So let's give him an opportunity to set up D- DCL and Awobi and Richarlison because those guys are going to score goals if they get the chance to. Yes, they are. So... Give him an opportunity. I mean, McKinney doesn't – he's not the number 10, but McKinney can definitely play next to Gomes. It's not going to solve the big problem that Everton still has at the 10 role, but at least it fixes another issue and it covers another hole for them. I'm so happy. And Wolves, it's the same logic, too. I'll, I think he would work with Nevers, I like too. Him. I like him at Wolves better, uh, especially. especially with Moutinho, though, too. Moutinho would be uh, actually add a different element to him because I think – Ruben Nevis was so bad in set pieces before he went to Wolves, and now he takes set pieces for Wolves. That's a João Moutinho effect. João Moutinho, the midfield with... Also an alum of that great Monaco team from a couple years ago, by the way. That money team. Hey, Felipe, you were about to say something. I said I'm so happy Andre Gomes left Barcelona 
because they were just screwing him over. Plus, I'm glad he came back from that injury too. Mm, yeah. Oh yeah, that son injury, right? Yeah, that was a rough. That was that rough. Was go. Brutal. Yes, it was. I didn't like seeing that. But uh, there have been a couple of rumors about Harry Kane though too. There has been, but who's really going to pay that kind of money for Harry Kane? Especially now. With, especially with the Griezmann deal not working out. And then you can even argue, like, okay, well, I can just go get Lacazette. Get Big Laka. Get Ali Lacazette. I mean, this is Harry Kane's season, all right? So he's played in 75% of the games. He has 15 goals, 2 assists, and 27 games. Uh, so, uh, Man. Tier, tier, three, tier 3 striker. Why don't I just call Southampton and go get Danny Ings? Especially if I'm in a one-striker attack. Danny Ings could be... He could be like, you know what I mean? I mean, Harry Kane's 26. Ings is 24, I believe. Mm -hmm. So it's not that big of a difference age-wise, but it's just like the season. Oh, he's, actually, Ings is 27. So actually, that could be a little bit different. But I mean, Ings scores 19 goals in 35 games. Danny Ings going, going back to Liverpool, bro. And hold on, though. Harry Kane can't stay healthy. That's true, too. That's just what it comes down to. Wow. Yeah. But as far as the EPL uh, transfer options, I mean, we talked about with Norwich already last week. Mm -hmm. Bournemouth, we talked about. I mean, with Watford, it's just like they, they seem to have gotten themselves out, and now they're kind of back in. They're right there. But, like, I look at their roster, and other than Saar, I'm sure somebody will buy Delfeu. It seems like every year he gets bought by somebody. Right. And then Decore's damn good if he gets the chance to play. Everyone's been waiting for Penurata to score goals. He just doesn't. And then Will Hughes is kind of like not as good version of James Ward-Prowse. Very similar player, though. Uh, and then Keena. And then Keena's a nice number 10, but he's not really like he doesn't give you much upside. I, as I said, like, I'm not impressed with the rest of the roster. I mean, Cabaselli's okay. Genmat's mm -hmm. okay. Um, ben Foster, at this point of his career, I mean, he's okay. I mean, he's 37, right? He's not what he was before. No. But, like, he's not this you know. He was before. Who else on that team? Do you see? You think anyone well, I mean, would try to, me, but... You think anyone would try to poach uh, Troy Deeney? I mean, yeah, he would be. But, again, he would go maybe oh, a team like. 32. A depth piece for a team like Sheffield, for example. Yeah, I can see that. Or maybe a depth piece, maybe a Newcastle for uh, maybe Newcastle would be a good move for him. I could see that. Kind of like a little bridge move that he can kind of be like their right Phillips before they go spending grand. Oh man, uh, like Man City did. Man, and a guy who I know for some Man City fans, that's a good reference. <laughs> They'll enjoy that one. A guy who uh, speaking of right Phillips. And Nigel Pearson just isn't really – he says he keeps talking about Troy Deeney's injury concerns, you know. And actually, there was a piece – there was a blog about Troy Deeney moving on from Watford that I that I uh, read, actually. I think he should do it. Uh, a player who's on Watford that I forgot he was on Watford until like two weeks ago is Danny Welbeck. That's true, too. He I, – I flat out forgot he was on Welbeck – I mean, on, on, uh, on Watford. Man United, you know – academy product he was actually one of my favorite young players on united when he was there moves on to arsenal and then just kind of bounces and and he's been as a as a striker he's been relatively disappointing so at the age of 29 uh i think he'll be I think if Troy Deeney leaves, I could see Danny Welbeck being the next guy for them like that. See, I could see Dan I could see Welbeck making a move to go play at Leeds next year. Leeds. If they end up getting promoted. Because I'll tell you exactly why. They're gonna need depth up front. They 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 can't be playing Kelvin Phillips and those guys for forty games. That's that's not how it, they're, they're gonna they're gonna end up like freaking Aston Villa. True. Phillips will end up like the same season Jack Grealish just had, that's literally gonna be Calvin Phillips next year. Hmm. Okay. I mean, they're a little better defensively, obviously, and they have a better coach. Let's let's not even like that. Bielsa is a way better coach than than Dean Smith. Mm -hmm. But with that being said, like, let's keep in mind what leads are. They play the same sixteen guys over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Ask Wolves and Sheffield United how far that got them. Because even Burnley is a little more depth than both of those teams that we talked. True. About. Even though they're not as talented, but they have more depth. But also, I mean. You say ex Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish, Aston Villa's his home, his hometown club. You know, right? Been there forever. Mm -hmm. Brought them up through what was that? Two, uh, through two uh, leagues. Promoted up through two leagues, and here he is. And they just didn't get him the help 
to make the next step to make that leap and so i don't blame him for leaving i think someone uh i, I like what your point is though about about leads and, and taking that step up and needing that depth but whoo ask just ask norwich just ask norwich what it looks like to try to come up to the big boys and play the same way that you played in the championship 21 points that's all they got it's 21 points not happening yeah pookie pookie i mean had- i give um yeah i mean once once pookie's scoring streak fell off it was good but like they were done but like I gotta give Aston Villa a lot of credit because I mean they hit a lot of their transfers have been good players. Like Samata gave him a burst, right? Mm-hmm. Trezeguet's been good. El Ghazi has been streaky, but like he's still talented. Grealish has played well with those guys. Mings has been pretty good, right? Yeah. He'll probably um, win if they get relegated. Absolutely. But their goalkeeping situation really did them in. Yeah. Yeah. Aston Villa should not be should not be 19th place with all the time. No, not at all. Their no. expected place this year, based on everything, I think was 12. I think I remember heard hearing that in Football Daily. They should be in 12. There you go. There you go. But question. then again, Sheffield should be in 11th, though. So like, uh, let's put that in perspective. On this question, who has more talent, Aston Villa or Burnley? Aston, Aston Villa. Easily. It's not even hesitation. Not even no hesitation. Like, I, if, you, if you compare rosters, I think the top three players will be Aston Villa players. Yeah, I mean, I would take Grealish, Ruiz, and Mings. and and Mings over anybody on Burnley's roster, and that even counts Dwight McNeil. Yeah, to what yep. I like a lot. Who would be the first guy I would take from? Actually, I would say Bournemouth is probably more talented than Burnley. Depends how well. If my, am I getting Harry, David Brooks, and Callum Wilson though? Mm, true. Am I getting them on the field at the same time? Because that's been a problem. That has been huge. But you're looking at Aston, and that's the thing with Bournemouth though. Bournemouth has a really talented roster. They do. And and when uh if and when if Bournemouth happens to get relegated because they're they're in that fight right now, right? If they happen to get relegated, they're sitting there, what is it, in 18th and they are 3 points away from being clear of relegation. 3 points away from Watford, right? So, let's just say but Watford has a game in hand. Let's just say that Bournemouth doesn't get relegated. Either way, if they get relegated or not, they still have to make some major sales in order to uh, mm-hmm. because of their financial situation. I feel like this is I think we said this back when the uh the uh when the pandemic started that See, they should have sold Callum Wilson in January. Callum Wilson should have been gone. The players that it's that it's because now they're gonna lose Aaron Ramsdale for probably not a near not actually if I were Chelsea, Aaron Ramsdale's the goalie I'm signing. Oh. They, they could get him at a steal and, and he'll Because you know what? Well that's a low that's a low key move. And it will work yep. because Ramsdale's had a hell of a, actually the only reason Bournemouth isn't complete. The reason they were pretty much where they were 12, 13, they were better than Crystal Palace at one point this year, mind you like that. They, he, Aaron Ramsdale's had good games. I mean, again, Solanke went so many games without scoring goals. Mm-hmm. They have Jefferson Lerma, who I'm sure a team will poach, mm-hmm. um, especially in Spain. Uh, Callum Wilson is a town, obviously, and never mind Harry Wilson. They had on loan, and Nathan Aki could easily go to United. There you go. Yeah, and then you got and then Ryan Bo- Ryan Fraser. Oh, Ryan Fraser left for nothing. They should have sold Ryan Fraser. I mean, I think um, they should have called Inter and be like, "Hey, how many more Premier League players do you want to buy?" There you go. Because we'll give you Ryan Fraser. Ryan Fraser would have been really cool at Inter, though. I would have loved that. Listen here, Antonio Conte. Who he's deserved the big move for a while. Who else do you want to resurrect Antonio Conte from from the? football dead yeah that Bournemouth but Bournemouth I mean looking at that they're they're gonna be they're gonna be gutted financially they're gonna have to make these fire this fire sale and they're gonna be gutted so if they happen to not clear and end up getting relegated they're probably gonna be down for a couple of seasons sitting there mm-hmm. in the championship whoo there are I mean think of it this way right so Bournemouth their total market value is $271 million as a team. That is worth more than Newcastle is currently, Brighton, Watford, Southampton, Crystal Palace, Burnley, Norwich, and Sheffield. Jeez. Wow. Dominic he scored his only two goals of the season versus Le- Leicester City this, what, past Sunday? Yep. Yeah, Solanke so- scored his first goal in, like, what, 50 games? I mean, yeah. but Eddie Howe, too, did this to himself because the thing is – Eddie Howe has so many young players, but he didn't really incorporate a lot of the young players until 
what, in the middle of that long losing streak they had because they had to? Yep. Exactly. And Eddie Howe's... I mean, gave up nine goals in back-to-back games against Newcastle and and Manchester United. Like, Junior Stanilas would, like, should have played since the beginning. You get me? Yeah. I mean, they they lost 3-0 to Burnley. They lost... um, 5-2. 4-0 to West Ham at one point. They lost 2-0 to Brighton, and they were two sloppy goals. Um... They looked horrible defensively against Spurs in November. I, I remember that. That was the game that Harry Kane dropped freaking two on their ass. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the, just insane goals. And then the Leicester loss early in the season where James Madison had that curler from the top of the box that went, that, that like, the two defenders were, like, looking behind. That was nasty. They were looking at the goalie. Like, really? So this is what it comes down to. Like, Bournemouth were in good position until about mi- early November. The Callum Wilson injury. And then from there, they just never recovered. Yep. And it has showed. So look for Bournemouth to, if they get relegated, not only get gutted, but possibly lose their manager as well. And so they will be on rebuild mode for the foreseeable future if they end up getting relegated. Wow. Plus, I mean, uh, a rumor for Pedro to Roma. Did Pedro actually end up signing anywhere? Mm, Chelsea, Pedro? Yeah, didn't he go? Didn't he say he was going to Roma? I think, and I think that actually was a a done deal. It wasn't even a transfer because he was free to go anywhere. Right, right. I don't see anything official that he went to Roma, but I would believe it. Rumor, yeah, it's just a rumor. Speaking of rumors, but here's the thing too. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, speaking of rumors, because we mentioned them earlier, uh, Lataro and Barcelona have have made a personal agreement. Okay which means okay. it's now up to Inter and Barcelona to hash out transfer fees and all of that stuff. But also contingent on, this is where Barcelona needs to get some chips, a sale of one loop. Coutinho. Mm-hmm. So essentially, That's the one, huh? Barcelona has nothing when it comes to Lautaro. They have, they have no deal. It's just all talk. It's literally John Elway being picked by the Colts right now. It's absolutely hilarious. It's it's we literally have nothing. Well, Jeez. if Barcelona wants Lautaro, it's gonna be at least one twenty, one thirty. Don't you think? They're, listen, we we discussed last episode Barcelona's financial woes. If you want to check woes. messy messy yeah. moves, but th- yeah, they, it's 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 all talk from Barcelona. I'm not buying anything Barcelona is is putting out there and trying to sell. We we know the deal with you, Barcelona. Brian, you were going to say? Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, look at Inter Milan, though. I mean, they, they're in a position where it's like, listen, man, we were able to swindle Christian Eriksen for a quarter of his value. Like, Antonio Conte is just like, bring it. <laughs> he's like, what's the best you got? He's, he's literally doing Diego after they beat Liverpool. That's literally what Conte's doing right now. Well, even if Inter loses Lautaro, they still have Esposito, 16-year-old kid. Um, they do, yeah. and they yeah. love him too. Yeah, yeah they man. love him. That little kid, and even that, they can bring in. In that point, why don't they just sign Harry Kane? Right, give Esposito three years to kind of get his, like, give him a year or two to get his shit together. Mm-hmm. But like, if Esposito's already ready to play at 18, 19 years old next year, yeah. And I think they also have Eddie Salcedo, who they have in their under-20 squad, who's a left winger, but he also can play a little bit in the attack as well. I wonder if Conti tries to bring him into the fold as well. Also, I heard um, Edgen Dzeko from Roma wants to probably move to enter. That would, well, if that's, that's the veteran player they need right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'd, like to see, Jack- I'd like to see Andrea Bellotti in Inter, though. I think Bellotti with Lukaku would be extremely exciting. I would enjoy it, especially the season that uh, Lukaku has just had. And Lukaku's on the – he's actively recruiting, trying to bring in all that he wants and needs over at Inter. And Inter, hey, yeah. in fourth right now, next season, could get crazy. Oh, but also, rumor, uh, Inter is ready to sell Ericsson for 55 million pounds. That, that was the whole that – yeah, that was that wasn't going to last long. Why? One, I feel like the formation is just not going to work for Ericsson. Like, that was the whole reason, the whole Inter thing. I was a little confused. The only reason the thing made sense for Inter's perspective is that they needed someone that can fill a midfield role for the fact that they still had to deal with the FFP fines mm-hmm. because that still counted against their budget. Got it. 
next year that's not the issue yeah now for erickson what i would see if i'm inter is i think if they're looking at someone uh, now obviously julian weigel's benfica stay has been very mixed mm -hmm. so i don't think weigel is going to be someone they look at but again the italian league i mean if Sandro Tonali, for example, I think Antonio Conte is looking to bring up an Italian super midfield here. Oh, all right, Conte, we see you. We see you. Yeah, I mean he's not lying at this point. And if I were Inter, you bring in Bellotti, you bring in uh, Tonali, you're golden. Wow. Okay. I mean, even if Stefano Senzi leaves, right? Because Senzi's contract expires in August. Mm -hmm. No. So Senzi's out. Then. Barella comes back next year. He's healthy. Right. They still have to figure out how to get Bastoni on the field because Alessandro Bastoni, you know, he's someone they're going to see in the future as well. Mm -hmm. With Inter, it's going to be, okay, Godin's up there in age, but they want to bring – Conte wants experienced players. There's no secret. So that's why I don't think he'll start Esposito right away. He might just have Alexi Sanchez replace Lotaro Martinez for a season. He might not go out and buy a striker. I could see that, and, and I mean – United is trying to finalize that whole situation. Yeah. Getting rid of him, which will be more money off their books and make room for them. Well, as far as Coutinho goes, I don't know who the hell wants him. At this point, that is a fair. He's going to go back to Barcelona. <laughs> His best hope is that the Newcastle, uh, the best hope is that the Newcastle deal's finalized and he goes to Newcastle. Hey, they're going to get that. Uh, but if Valencia qualified for Europa League, this if they ended up if they do end up getting in the Europa League spot, I wonder if Valencia asks for a loan from Barcelona for Coutinho. Oh, I don't I don't think Coutinho will say yes to. I don't think so either. But I feel like Valencia would have a shot and they would try. I mean, they have enough prominent players to maybe try to feel as if. But I feel like Coutinho is just not that. But I feel like Newcastle would be able to pay him. Valencia might, if Valencia agrees to pay like sixty percent of his wage, though, I think Barca would at least let Coutinho talk. They would him. entertain it. Yeah, Barca would entertain. Yeah. But Inter's not a good deal, though. I don't like the Inter idea. What about a? I I, I think so. A Coutinho deal to to Inter? I think so. Or he's the same player as Ericsson, essentially, and clearly that's not working out. Yeah, and if they for Conte either. That's true. Now AC Milan. Now put him with Rafael Liao. Now, now we're talking. That's true. That's true. Because it looks like Zlatan's not staying at AC Milan. I think they're going to make Liao the number nine next year. Oh, you didn't hear his comments? Right. Zlatan is not a Europa League type player. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hilarious. Didn't he hold up a Europa League trophy four years ago with United? Did he yeah. or didn't he know? Oh, he sure yeah. did. Listen, Zlatan oh, is selected. He's, He's already conquered the Europa League. He doesn't want to do it again. He's never going to win a Champions League title. I can tell you that, though. Well, and, and, and here's the thing for Zlatan, though. Like, why doesn't he uh, go back to – why doesn't he go to French League, join Ren, right, and, and, and go join, like, the young the youngness of Camavinga? Oh. And he can just have Camavinga feed him goals. Ooh. Go, go, freaking – yeah, I mean, he won't make up 18-point difference, but he might get Ren another six or seven points. Yeah. Or just go to Monaco. What's that? Well, he should just go to Monaco with Juan, ben, Juan, Juan Bender. Juan Bender. Well, Monaco, Monaco, Monaco is not even in Europa League. That's that's below Zlatan's grade. Oh, yeah, it's not working. It's, it's, you're, yeah, right. Not working. you're right. You're right. Grade. Yeah. Don't you dare tell him to take anything lower than that. I mean, at least Ren. Ren's going to have the Champions League money. I wonder how they're going to do this because they have a lot of young players on that team. Obviously, Rafinha, right? Mm -hmm. The 23-year-old Brazilian, he came over, he had a big season. Mm -hmm. um, Nying, I like Nying, good striker. Camavinga, obviously, is a, is a stud. You know, they have Eduard Mendy in that. So, I've, And then Steven Assange, he's kind of the veteran, right, on that team. Mm -hmm. So they have players that they might be able to loan from other places. I mean, obviously, Assange was on loan from Roma, and now he's signed there permanently. So I wonder if they can keep Camavinga around, you know, how is that going to work? Mm-hmm. Going going back to Slatan, also, yes. would you take him at United for a one year? Ooh, a one year loan of Zlatan at United. Here's why I would not. Given knowing knowing you need a, an actual number nine right there, nine right. Looking at the current 
setup of United. From a chemistry perspective, this isn't about necessarily positioning. From a chemistry perspective, I think Zlatan would mess with chemistry. A one, yeah. a one year rental of Zlatan, I think would mess with the chemistry. The only reason why Martial playing at nine, even though that's not his natural role, works is because the way United rotates their uh the player movement in between that, what is that, in that front attacking four, it gives uh Martial the ability to be a little more people and not have to commit to a nine. Um, one thing that has impressed me about Martial, despite the fact that he's not a natural nine, in my opinion, I think the opinion of many, is he does come back um, to get the ball uh, and then, you know, use that speed to get back up top. But yeah, they need a true nine. I wouldn't take Zlatan, though, as that true nine. I wouldn't. Not at United at this point. I think if there's any team in the Premier League, I mean, Leicester could use Zlatan. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Pair him with Vardy. That would be so... In- but then again, Ineacho would be a little butthurt. The, the oldest strikers in the game. <laughs> Vardy and, and Slatan. That would be the oldest striker. You- yeah, because Kalichi's 27. Yeah. So that literally would be the oldest number nine unit in the whole Premier League. Oh my goodness. Yep. Bar- Vardy's what? 20- but you know what would be interesting too for Leicester? An interesting signing? Even though he's only been there for six months. How about Samata? Oh. Okay. Right? Okay. I mean, they tried that with Musa. I know they tried doing the off-ball striker thing before. But, like, Samata kind of plays better off the ball, though. I mean, Grealish has been kind of just feeding him headers, and he's been getting there. I mean, he's not, like, the most clinical finisher, but at least he gives you an opportunity. Yeah, that's the other part is he's not clinical. Uh, Yeah. Side note, does Vardy win the Golden Boot this year? I think so. He's got, what, two goals, if I'm not mistaken? Well, Aubameyang's ahead, right? Or they're both tied. No, Odegaard. I mean, Odegaard. Sorry. Vardy has 23 and... Aubameyang has 22. Aubameyang only has 21, doesn't he? Okay. I thought it was... Oh, maybe, yeah. If I'm not mistaken? Let me double check it. I have it right here in front of me. And Aubameyang at 20... 20. He's at 20. Oh, so yeah. Vardy's ahead then. That's crazy. But yeah. Leicester can't keep like rely. They can't keep like living on the. They, they're gonna die on that sword. Mm-hmm. On, on the vault. like they're gonna end up falling a 16th next year or some shit. Because end up, they're, they're not gonna get another. They're gonna be a, a a higher class Norwich. Right, because when Vardy was hurt a couple years ago, they were playing that tough Champions League group. They got a tough group mm-hmm. too. They did. Sure did. But Ahmed Musa was so. That him and Ineacho just like were so lost. I remember watching a game going like. Do these dudes know that, like, they used to score a lot of goals in other leagues? Or are they just, like, you know, what exactly? Ha- did you guys have amnesia all of a sudden? Did you- like, they were through balls, right, that would be fed to them from the midfield. Like, um, Nakasaki freaking had a, a through. I, I remember this. They were on a counterattack, and they had a through ball right through. It might even been drink water. It went right through three defenders. Musa just looked. He gets the ball. He looks at it and then pulls up Benteke. Jeez. And he tries to chip it over the goalie's head, and the ball literally went like two yards. Not Ben Teki. Not Ben Teki. <laughs> Bro, another team that's an absolute disaster is Crystal Palace. Man. We don't have time for Crystal Palace. I don't have time for it. Side note, and, no. and what I think what was frustrating as well about watching Musa and Nacho is they're two guys, two studs for the Nigerian national team, and you absolutely. You, and the national team, they don't look lost at all. That's the, that's the scary thing. Oh man, that's the scary thing, man. The, I mean, Victor Moses looks lost for the national team sometimes, as you mentioned. Uh, but like the two of them, Iniacho and Musa, when they play for Team Nigeria, it's almost like uh, maybe it's just they grew up playing with those guys. Maybe that's what it is for some people, right? Like, some players get so used to – they play so much better on the international level because, I mean, a lot of the teams have been structurally together for so long. Right, right. I feel like that happened with Charisma. Oh. Especially Hugo Vieira, too. Like, all those dudes. They got used to playing with Ronaldo in the junior teams, and then, like some people, they – oh, we don't have Ronaldo anymore. We don't know what to do anymore. Yeah. Who do we have to? Well, I mean, that didn't happen to Real Madrid, to be honest, but – yeah, I mean, think they had they went through the whole season without Aiden Hazard and basically won the league. <laughs> Man, 
Ah, hey, hey, don't jinx us yet, man. We got to win tomorrow, and then we can celebrate, bro. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Give him the jinx, and he jinx, jinx, jinx. Na 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 na. <laughs> who do you guys have tomorrow, Felipe? Who does who does uh, uh, Who? Villarreal. They play Villarreal, and you guys can clinch with that victory. No. If we if we win, we clinch. We 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 we're the champs. If we tie. And Barcelona ties, we're the champs. If we lose and Barcelona loses, we're the champs. So, by the time, well, that's interesting. Listen- so it looks like you guys are winning. Yeah. So, listeners, when you're listening to this, uh, hopefully when you're listening to this, you can listen and and Felipe will probably be celebrating the fact that Madrid is clinched. If not, you can wait. To hear his I'm gonna be a mess if not, man. If not, you, you can, I'm gonna be so fucking ugh. You can you can wait to hear his heartbreak on the next episode of Reformed Hooligans. <laughs> that said, folks, that concludes another episode of the Reformed Hooligan podcast presented to you by SSA. Guys, love to hear from you. Appreciate all of our listeners. Special shout out to I think one of our new listeners, Britton Erickson. Good friend of mine, good good young lad. He's a Tottenham fan. You 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 want you might ask why he's a Tottenham fan because his last name is Erickson and one Christian Erickson used to be on Tottenham. Anyways, Britain, we appreciate you listening and sharing the hooligan love with all those who will listen. So, folks, see your host Osahan and the usual suspects, Brian and Felipe. Hopefully, Felipe on the next episode will not be heartbroken. Hopefully, I hope not. Hopefully, Brian will <laughs> not be irritated with another ridiculous ruling made by some governing board in the football world. And hopefully, uh, hopefully not. Your host will be excited because Man U would have beat Chelsea in the FA Cup semifinal. All this and more on the next episode of Four Two. Deuces. Wild out. <laughs>